Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. First and foremost, I want to thank our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for making this all possible for us by going to the cross, becoming obedient unto death as the final sacrifice for our sins so we can have a new relationship with God forever and eternal that can never be lost or taken from us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. And doing for us what we could never ever do for ourselves. I'd like to thank the Smithfield Avenue Congregational Church for letting us do our study here. One body, many many parts. I'd like to thank all the faithful people that serve in this ministry to keep it going. We all need each other for this to function properly. God gives us a body to operate in so we can overcome our sin natures. If you have a cell phone, please silence it. So it doesn't disturb tonight's group. And we'll start off with a word of prayer. What? For who? India. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace, Lord. Humble and open-hearted and teachable tonight, Lord. Thank you for allowing us this opportunity to learn more and more about you, Lord. And become more and more like you, Lord. As you... Teach us your will, Lord, and help us to grow in your grace and knowledge, Lord, so we can be a living example of you working in our lives, Lord, and help us, Lord, to understand why you saved us, Lord, to build your kingdom and bring others in, Lord. Help us to live a life worthy of that call, Lord, to always honor you and worship you, Lord, in everything we think, say, and do as you fight for first place in our lives, Lord. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to confront us, and to teach us what is true, and to show us what's wrong in our lives, Lord. Help us to always stay humble and submissive to you, Lord, so you can help us. Thank you for the body you've given us, Lord, so we could help each other, Lord, and build each other up in love, Lord, and show love in action, the tangible evidence of your church, Lord, your body. We say a prayer for India, Lord, as it struggles, Lord. We pray that you put your hand upon that nation, Lord, and help it, Lord. Whatever your will be, Lord, make your will noted to them, Lord, through whatever adversities they're going through, Father, and just help them. Let them see your grace and mercy, Lord. And I pray for our great nation also, Lord, as this nation seems to want to deviate from your word, Lord, and your will. And I pray for all the churches, Lord, that they get back to the roots of the Bible as the owner's manual, Lord, to all the bodies of Christ, Lord, so we could be in unity and show that Jesus Christ really does control us and not the enemy, Lord. And let everything we do tonight be led by your spirit and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. Okay, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing a song and usher in the spirit, and we are going to get started.
God is amazing, amen? He really is. Once you get to know him and his character and what his will is for your life, boy, he's amazing how he just orchestrates everything in our lives. He goes ahead of us. And when we're in his will, he's always keeping us protected, amen? That's why it's so important to stay in his will while we're down here. That's to be safe and protected from the evil one. Get out of his will, all bets are off. How's everybody doing tonight, okay? Better now, right? I love coming on a Wednesday night, halfway point, right? You got the Monday night, we get together to get the week started. Halfway point, Wednesday. We need it more, right? Stay plugged in again. And then equip us to hold out till Saturday so we can get plugged in some more. Amen? We need all we can get. Especially the way the times are getting dark out there. And a lot of believers are starting to drift. Because they're starting to follow the world and deviate from the word. Amen? That's why we got to stay rooted and grounded in the body of Christ. Amen? So important. All right, let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to start there tonight. The Holy Spirit is going to take over. So please try to be attentive and quiet so nobody gets distracted so the Holy Spirit can minister to each and every one of us. She's got verse um, 5 over there. We're going to have to back up a little bit, of course. Go back to verse 1. And it warns us in Hebrews chapter 2 against drifting away. About drifting away. Look at verse 1. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. So it says we have to listen very carefully to the truth. So when you come to Bible study at the church, we have to listen very carefully to what God is trying to say to the church. Amen? And then when you read the word, you have to listen very carefully what he's trying to say to you. We have to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive what he wants to tell us. It's not something that happens naturally for us. You ever notice sometimes you get in the Bible and it's like seems like nothing's happening. You read it, it's like you forgot what you read. And we have to actually get our mind back focused onto it. It's not a natural thing for us to read the Bible. 
It's not a natural thing for us to come to church. It's not natural for us. It's supernatural. His supernatural power is what draws us to the body. Amen? It's not us. It's nothing in us. The human spirit rebels against God's ways. That's why it's so hard to do God's will, or you can't do his will in the flesh. Because the flesh wars against the spirit. Now look at verse 2. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So you know that God from Genesis to Revelation spoke through the angels and through the law every act of disobedience was punished. So look at verse 3. Now he's talking to believers. So what makes us think that we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak. And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. Jesus the man. Verse 5. Jesus the man. I like that. Jesus the man. He's the man. Who's the go-to guy? Jesus. He's the man. Here's who I go. Listen, I, listen pe- I don't go to people anymore. People can't help me. People have the same problem I do. They have a sin nature that, and, and everything. We're very disrespectful and disobedient to God. So whenever you try to get advice from a person... That's like saying that I'm trying to take advice from myself. Because we all have this sin nature that does the same things. That's why we go to who? Jesus, which is the word of God. Jesus is the word. Okay? Jesus the man. Now look what it says in verse 5. And furthermore, it is not angels who will control the future world we are talking about. For in one place the scriptures say, What are mere mortals that you should think about them, or a son of man that you should care for him? Yet for a little while you made them a little lower than the angels. So right now we're a little lower than the angels. And crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. Now when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. What we do see is Jesus, for who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. Imagine Jesus took the hit for all of us. Go to verse 10. For God, God for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters, and I will praise you among your assembled people. 
So whenever we assemble, guess who's here? Jesus is here. Right? Whenever two or more gathered, he's with us. So Jesus is in the house with us tonight. So how do we know Jesus is here? Because I'm speaking, Jesus is speaking through me through his word to you. That's how you know Jesus is here. Because that's why when you come to church and you read the Bible, that means you're coming to church and Jesus, which is the head of the body, is talking to his people. That's why the word of God is the most important thing inside the church. That's why we come, to hear the very voice of God. Amen? That's why it says to always listen to what the Spirit is trying to say to the church. This is family worship. Then there's the personal worship when you gather with him and get in your Bible yourself and he speaks to you through the word of God. And then he speaks to us, what, when we fellowship together, when we, when we, we hang around with other believers and we talk about things of Christ, he builds us up, amen? That's why we have to stay together. When a, when a Christian separates from the body, he is disconnected from the vine, and the Bible says you can do nothing. You can do nothing that is going to honor me and build my kingdom. Can I get an amen for that? That's why it's so important that we gather. But I guess Christians are missing the point that he gives us a body. This is where we connect. This is where we connect and get charged so we can do his will. So we keep getting this refreshment and this watering so when we leave here we know what our purpose is. To bring others in the kingdom. If you stay out in the world long enough and stop forsaking the assembling, you start to see things the world's way all over again. And it becomes more about me than it comes about him. But he wants us to offer living sacrifice. All right, now I got a scripture for him. How's that? Go to Romans chapter 12. And by the way, that just came to mind while I was right here. So that's the, let the Spirit speak. Amen? Amen? This is a Spirit-led church. Not human beings don't run this church or any kind of denomination or any kind of... We don't try to get in, put humanism into the Word of God because that's what makes it infected and until none effect. All right, look what it says in Romans chapter 12. This is like one of my favorite chapters. I mean, whenever I start getting discouraged and I don't understand God, I go to Romans 12 and just read the whole verse, the whole chapter. It tells me everything that I, what I am in Christ. In Romans 8, Romans speaks to us so clearly when we start to get confused. This is where I go as a pastor all the time because it reassures me. A living sacrifice to God, look at verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Paul was pleading with the people, right? To give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Now listen, you have to understand that he did more than just save you from the penalty of sin. He saved you. He did so many things for you. And if you understand and you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you'll see what he did for us. He put us under a new covenant so we don't have to follow all the ceremonial laws and everything else to have a relationship with him. He opened the tore the curtain for us so we can pray anywhere. We don't have to go somewhere except... He did so much for us that it's so we have to understand that it just more than just paid our sin debt. Way more than that. That's why we need to read the Bible. To really understand after all he has done for us. Because once you know, when you really understand what happened at that cross, you'll have no problem giving your body as a living sacrifice to him. 
when you fully understand why you got saved. Now, look what it says. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And look at verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you. Now this is the whole picture of Christianity. God has to transform us. He has to change us. Every Christian that's born again needs to change. Can I get an amen for that? We cannot do it in the flesh. That's why we have to get born again. Now we're saying, let God transform you into a new person by hocus pocus. You're new. I'm going to deliver you. No. That's not how he does it. If you read the word of God and you have any kind of scruples, it says how? Let God transform you to a new person by changing the way you think. See it? Then you will learn to know God's will. The only time you're going to learn to know God's will is when your thinking changes. When you start to think like Christ. And the only time that happens is when you're in his word is when the transformation takes place. Not listening to other stuff. No, you personally, inside the word of God, and letting him speak to you and transform you. How does this happen? Nothing in the flesh. When we continue to do this, come to Bible study, read the word of God, go to church, do all the things that God's given us to do, things start to change. You start to, Your thinking starts to change. He starts to become number one. The Holy Spirit starts to become clearer and clearer to you. And it's nothing that you do. It's just the lifestyle change that you have now. Amen? If you're still living the way you used to live, you can't say that you're a new person. And this is something you will learn to know God's will. A lot of Christians don't know what God's will is for them. It's very simple. His will for you is to bring others into the kingdom. Wherever he puts you. No longer, that those who believe this will no longer live for themselves, but for Christ, who saved them. When you understand that. And guess what? Religion can't do that. Let's keep going a little bit here. Look at it. God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Look at verse 3. Very humbling. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. So listen, God has given us a warning right now. A warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Now let me ask you this. Do you evaluate yourself? Or are you always evaluating other people? He says... Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. What does that mean? That means stand in front of the mirror and say, where has what I've done gotten me? Where am I today? I'm going to stop and think of what I've been doing. Is it changing me? Is it making me like Christ? Is it transforming me? Is the way I'm going in the right path? Paul or Saul thought he was doing God's will by killing Christians. He thought he was justified. And he was 100% wrong. God had to knock him off his high horse. And what kept him? His pride. His pride kept him out of God's will. 
So you have to humble yourself like a little kid and empty our mind of the world and let this word start to teach you little by slow. That's why this transformation takes so much time. We've been infected by the world system for how many years? We've been trained and taught the things of the world. Now we have to unlearn that and put this in place of it. That's the only way it happens. Can I get an amen for that? And that's what this church is all about. A transformation. A renewal of the mind. Look what it says. Be honest. Thinking to yourself, all the faith. Look what it says. Just as our bodies have many parts. How many times do I say this? Each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. And we all belong to each other. There's not. This room isn't full of John's. This room is full of Britney's and all kinds of different people with different parts of the body. But you understand, whether you know what your part is or not, you have to be here for the body to stay connected. If you're not here, you're disconnected from the body and you're apart from the vine and you can do nothing of eternal value. People don't understand. It's just as important for you to be here as it is for me. So we can make this body grow. And the word of God is what nourishes this body. So we start to change our thinking. And we start to accept things. We start to accept each other's weaknesses. Make allowances for each other's faults because of your love. 1 Corinthians 13 love. Keep no record of being wrong. Minds its own business. Doesn't get involved in people's lives. Just doesn't bother with that. All we know we're in unity in Christ is what keeps us together. Our relationship with Jesus, amen? None of us come from the same background. But we can build up and help each other in each place that God's delivered us from. Because you know that's where your experience is. If God saved me from a certain pl- a thing and he took care of me, that's where I'm to operate. Where God met you, that's where you're to operate. You don't have to look for it. All your experiences with him is where you operate because you know it works because it, it, it worked for you. Look what it says. We are one, many parts of one body and we all belong. Look at verse 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Now, prophesy is different than prophecy. Okay? It's just speaking of a revelation God gave to you when you read the Bible. Like if I said to you, wow, I read the Bible and it said... No, the rainbow was a sign that he's not going to flood the earth anymore. I didn't know that before. So you share it with the rest of the body. It's not that you're prophesying about what's to come. Those prophecies are all taken care of. The prophets already came and went. We have everything we need right here. That's what it means. Now look what it says. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. See, not everybody has the same gift. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Hang an amen for that. So, look, I don't know what God's will is. Well, be kind to somebody. That's a gift. Look, he's telling us. Be generous. That's a gift. See it? 
kindness, generosity, pretend, love others, really love them, hate what is wrong, hold tightly what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. You don't come to church and badger and put people down. We come here to build people up. We don't go in and, and try to get into their business. We come. We just love each other and accept where we're at. Amen? Jesus minded his own business. He didn't peck at people to try to get information out of them and gossip and slander people and try to get information and talk about people. When you leave here and you leave here and gossip and slander and talk about people, you are dishonoring God. Not only are you dishonoring God, but your brothers and sisters that you're talking about. It's a sin. A bad sin in the church. Everybody thinks that gossip and slander is not that bad. No, God hates that. It's in Proverbs. Character assassination. Talking bad about somebody because you're mad at them. Going to, going to tell somebody that somebody did. Instead of keeping your mouth shut. And let God take care of it. The Bible says if you could learn to control your tongue and your sexual appetites, you'll be able to control every other part of your body. How many of us have a hard time controlling our tongue? How many? All of us do. Because what's coming out of your mouth is really what's in your heart. That's good scripture right there, ain't it? All right, let's go to John now. Let's go, let's go continue our study with John. I just wanted to share that with you. God brought it to me to bring to you. Does anybody remember where we left off? Yeah, you're right. 1616. 16, 16. All right, we'll just back up a little bit. Tiny, tiny little bit. Is everybody with me so far? Listen, you're a Christian and you're saved. You have no reason to be miserable in condemning people. You should be loving people and loving what God did for you and counted you worthy to even open your eyes to have a relationship with him. If you really think of all the things you've done all your life, and say, God opened my eyes and wants to use me in the kingdom, a wretch like me, I should be so thankful always, always for what he did. Instead of griping and complaining, which is a big sin in the church. All right, let's go to um, verse 12. We'll come down. Jesus, speaking to them, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it right now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth so that we know, listen, truth is a spirit. Lies are a spirit. You have to understand. See, people don't understand what spirits are. It's the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of deception. It's the spirit of evil. It's the spirit of good. Look what it says. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. One thing I can tell you for sure, if you're really seeking truth, 
and to find God, he will put you somewhere that is preaching truth. And he will send you there if you're sincerely seeking it. But if you're seeking deception, you'll definitely find it'll find you. If you're listening, if you're trying to get your ears scratched and justify evil behaviors, it'll find you. You'll find a church that accepts all that. One thing that Christ's body doesn't accept is sin. It accepts repentance from sin. All of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. Now look what it says in verse 14. He will bring me glory and tell, tell you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is, this is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Sadness will be turned to joy. All right, we pick up from here. Anybody sad? It should be turned to joy right now. If you're listening to God speaking to you, in a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while, you won't see me? See, they didn't have spiritual, they didn't have spirituality yet. You understand? They lived by what they heard. Look what it says. But when you will see me, look, a little while you won't see, what is it? But then you will see me and I'm going to the Father. And what does he mean by, by a little while? We don't understand. At least they were honest. They didn't understand. How many of us don't understand God? You, how are you going to ever live for God if you don't understand him? Or if you go by what somebody else tells you what the word of God says. Instead of letting the word itself talk to you. Everybody goes outside of the Bible to find out information, but what's in the Bible? Instead of listening to the one who wrote it, which is God, let him speak to you right from jump, instead of going to another person. It's like, whenever you want truth out there, you go right to the horse's mouth to hear it. You don't go around it. So if you really want truth, you've got to go to the Word of God. And you know what it is? God doesn't reveal anything to us if we can't do the things that He already has. And that's why we go into other things. Because He reveals to us, be nice, love your enemies. Tell the truth, love your neighbor as you love yourself. These things are told to us in the Bible. Once you start doing them, more things get revealed to us. If you don't do the simple things, He's not going to give you the deeper things. So what do people do? They put this down and go to a commentary. Because they don't want to live what God's telling them to live. They just want a bunch of information. And it, and, it, and it deviates them from the real purpose. It's a deception. This is the only book you ever need to find out about what God wants. And he'll teach you through the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's why I refuse to go through all that stuff. It doesn't do anything. God speaks to me when I'm ready to hear it. When I read the word again, then he reveals something else to me. When I actually do his will, he tells me more. When I don't do his will, he says nothing. He's quiet. You say, where's God? I don't know. Maybe I'm not in his will. Let me evaluate where I'm at. Maybe God's testing me. Maybe God's, maybe God's growing me up, testing my faith. You have to evaluate where you're at, why you can't hear him. Teachers always silent during a test, but if you're living a sinful life and you can't hear the voice of God, it's because you're hearing the wrong voices and following them. And it's drowning out the voice of God. And there's actually deception out there to think you are listening to the voice of God because Saul thought he was doing people justice by killing them. God justice. 
That's why it's important not to get deceived. And if you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and come to a good Bible-believing church that just reads through the Bible and doesn't separate it and says, all these words are for me, then you can get it. Because nowhere in here does it say you have to have timelines and chronologies and dispensations. It says, I'm speaking to you from jump, from Genesis. People put that in there. It's not in the Word of God. Well, you know, you say, well, the Gospels are for the Jews. No, the Gospels are for me. I'm a spiritual Israel right now. So everything in the Bible is for me. Now look what it says. <laughs> Verse 19. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said, in a little while you won't see me. But a little while after that, you will see me again. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me. But the world will rejoice. What were they doing? They, they, his own people were rejoicing at his death. Crucify him. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. Look at verse 21. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives away to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. Are you hearing me? Nobody can rob you of that joy. Only you rob yourself of it. He says it's like, a, listen, when you're born again, you go through pains, right? The labor pains, then you get born again. And there's joy that you found truth. And what happens? The weight of the world comes back in. And God starts taking us off that pink cloud. And says, now I'm going to train you to live by faith instead of emotion. And it's going to take, it's going to be a little painful to crucify your flesh. But listen, you have to go through the valleys first. To get the, that's where the training ground is, and here's where Christians get tripped up all the time. They don't understand that that's part of the journey. Where you're at right now is part of the journey. Does anybody have, ever have trouble understanding God? I, when you look at things around you, you say, I don't understand. What is going on? It seems like the church is getting, is dwindling. And, and the deception, the devil is in the churches. Everybody's accepting sin and sexual immorality. And everybody's and it's in the church and there's no separation anymore. You can't tell believers from unbelievers. And I'm saying, why, why? Because they're being deceived. They're not going to truth. They're not seeking truth. The spirit of the Antichrist is out there. Saying we could do this without God. If you look out there, there's a solution to every problem that you have through the world system. But the solution for a Christian's problem is the word system. But you can't do both. Christians come in, use the world system and the word system, and they're deformed. Because they can't really understand the thing completely. Because they're not following Jesus wholeheartedly. He says, that's one of the requirements, that you seek me wholeheartedly with all of you. And he says, if you do that, you'll find me. Because I'm not far from any one of you. 
So when you're out there and you seek him wholeheartedly, you, you will find what he wants for you to do in the circumstance. But how many of us actually do when that day comes, when that moment comes, when here they are? Are you stopping and letting the Holy Spirit talk to you? Or are you running your mouth, using your words, and then coming back and saying, oh, I shouldn't have said that. No, the Holy Spirit is our stop sign. Stop. That's not you anymore. That's the old you. The new you doesn't do that. The new you worships me. Doesn't care. Doesn't demand its own way. Keeps no record of being wrong. When I wake up tomorrow morning, whatever happened, whoever hurt me yesterday is forgotten. If it isn't, what happens? It turns into what? A resentment. In bitterness. All right, let's keep going. So you have, verse 22, so you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. As a believer, do you believe that nobody can rob you of that joy? Not even yourself. Now, do you think that joy is a feeling? Answer me. Do you think, are you always going to be happy? I can feel good? No, the world wants you to feel good. God says, no, you, your joy comes from knowing that I love you. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. Heaven's your home. This isn't your permanent home. It's only for a season, whatever you're going through. And I'm using it to build my kingdom, to change you. You should be thankful. Because let me tell you something. It's not out there that needs to change. It's in here. It all starts with me. I change, then I help someone else. You change, then you change, and you change. And that's how we build this kingdom. But if you haven't changed, how can anybody else change? Now look what it says. Verse 23. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. See, when you use Jesus, there's a lot of misuse of Jesus. When you use his name properly and understand why you have his name, he's the name above all names and king above all kings. We don't say, in the name of Jesus, I want a Cadillac. In the name of Jesus, you're delivered. In the name of Jesus, you're this. In the name of Jesus, you're that. A bunch of hucksters, even Christians. You can't rebuke the devil. The Bible says, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. You have no power to make the devil go away. People think that they can make the devil go away by saying, I rebuke you. He laughs. I rebuke you. No, you can't rebuke nothing. Jesus is the one that does it. And when you submissive to him and say, Lord, I come to you, Lord. I humble myself before you. I'm resisting the devil, Lord, through you. I don't have that kind of power, but you do. Misunderstanding of God. Mm. 
You can rebuke all you want. The devil ain't going nowhere. He ain't going nowhere. The only thing that makes the devil leave is our faith in Jesus Christ and he really knows in our hearts if you believe in him. Then he runs away. Then he's scared. When you're building his kingdom because you faith in him and that you love him and you're following him no matter what, there's where the power is. There is no power in the flesh. When you're in his will doing his will and living for him, that's when the power comes. And until you do that, the devil's got you. And he always will. You can rebuke all you want. I don't know. I'll even give you an example. You ever watch one of them, the vamp, these vampire movies? They, they, they show the priest holding the cross at the evil vampire. And the vampire laughs at him because he knows you don't really believe what's behind it. And he laughs at the guy. Because he really don't believe. What do you think he does with believers? I rebuke you, Satan. He's like, no, you're living for me. You aren't rebuking me, but you live for me. You're trying to rebuke someone you're living for. When you're living for Jesus and you rebuke the devil, he leaves. He trembles. There's a big difference. Now look what it says. You haven't done this before, verse 24. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me. Why does God love you? Because you love Jesus. Not because you're a good boy or a good girl. <laughs> he knows the difference. And what does Jesus say? If you love me, does anybody know what comes after that, he says? Wow, you know that. If you, if you love me, obey me. If you say you love Jesus and you try to rebuke the devil and you don't obey Jesus, don't think the devil's going to go away. You have to obey the teachings of Christ. That's what makes the devil flee. You're still following Jesus after all these problems? You're, not, you're refusing to, to live in your sinful nature to get relief? This, wow, I'm going to go after that ministry. There's some power there. There's soldiers in that ministry. And that's why any good Bible-believing ministry is going to get attacked viciously. Because the God of this world doesn't want us to build God's kingdom down here. He wants us to follow churchianity. You go out there right now, ain't none of God's kingdom being built. 10, 15,000 churches full of people, ain't none of them doing God's will. None of them. The devil loves it and he blesses them with more and more and more. And little, little, little places like this have more power that are teaching truth and living truth than 10 million churches that are following deception. And the devil's going to attack this ministry more than ever. You should be prepared for that. Because this is a ministry of truth and it's a spirit-led ministry. It's led by the Holy Spirit and God, not by any other human reasoning. And it never will be. The words that come out of this pulpit are the words of God, not my opinions or viewpoints. If that was the case, why come to church? Just put CNN on. You'll get a lot of viewpoints. 
A lot of lies. <laughs> Look at verse 27. For the Father loves, the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Some manuscripts read from the Father. Yes, I came from the Father into the world. And now I will leave the world and return to the Father. They're saying, what do you mean? They didn't understand what was going to happen. They didn't leave the world and go back to the Father. They didn't understand spirit stuff. They had no idea of it because the Holy Spirit didn't come yet. Then his disciples said, At last you're speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you. From this, from this we believe that you came from God. How long did it take them to believe? Now, you get Christians, right? Come up to the altar. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you're going to be saved. One time, one event. You're full of it. There ain't no way you believe it all in one shot. Look how long it took the apostles to believe it. And they were walking with them. You have to come to believe. You don't believe in an instant. You can say you believe it, but you really don't believe it until you really understand what you're believing. Don't you wish it was that easy? And it really is. If you really true believe it, guess what? You become it. You become what you believe. You become what you believe. That's what born again is. You become a believer in Jesus Christ and you're a part of his body, building his kingdom, and no, you no longer live for yourself. You live for him. You live for him. That proves that you believe it. What's proof that you believe it? The way you live. The way you live proves what you believe. Anybody can say, oh yeah, I believe it. Even the devil believes it. Remember, we, we read it. I don't know where I, forgot where I got it from. The, the, level, the devil believes that Jesus is the Son of God too. He's not saved. You have to come to believe it, come to know him, develop a relationship with him, then you believe it and you receive it. Amen? Look at what it says. Jesus asked, verse 31, asked, do you finally believe? Finally. How about of us? How many, I can ask you right now, do you finally believe what's coming, what's in the word of God? Do you finally believe it? Do you finally believe it? Or do you got to search elsewhere to get it, to believe it? Do you have to search and try to go in between all this? Or do you really believe it like a child does? And say, whatever this book says is truth. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. I don't have to go anywhere else to find it. I just got to believe what's in here. And then if you don't, say, well, I really don't believe it. Because that's what, what proves that you believe? Well, you go into commentaries. You go into this. You go into that. To really see if it's true. Now, if you're a child and born again, you believe every word that comes out of the mouth of God. This is everything. People live 900 years in the, in the in intellect. Who can live for 900 years? Don't ask me, ask God. He says it happened and it did. Jonah was in the, in the belly of the fish. Do I, was he in there? Yeah, he was. Do I have to question it? Well, then I really don't believe it. You see, when you become, your, your humanism, your human mind starts to doubt, 
That's because you're thinking with your mind and not your heart. Your heart believes everything that comes out of this. Your mind blocks that. Well, I got to really do some research on this. Let me find out if anybody can really live in the belly of a fish for three days. And people will go do research on it. Oh, yeah, maybe they could, but it's highly doubtful. Can really, can the Red Sea part? And people walk through it on dry ground? Is that possible? Hello, this is a supernatural thing. No, it's not possible. But with God, everything is possible. God is a supernatural relationship. Duh. You can't figure out God. Why did he put Jonah in the belly of the fish? I don't know. Why don't you ask him? Instead of some person. Go right to God. Why did God use an a, 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 a unbeliever to build his kingdom? Because the believers didn't believe in him. And he did. Darius believed in God. And he used him to rebuild the temple. That's why. Why, did, why does God use unbelievers to tell us the truth? Because believers don't have the guts to do it. Hey, Joe Christian over there. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? I thought you believed in Jesus. I thought Jesus was your Lord and Savior. What are you doing here? Oh, I represent God here. I digress. Unbelievers call out believers all the time. And God sends them. And I'm glad he does. I hope I'm not scratching your itchy ears tonight. Because I ain't here to do that. That's why other churches have to fill up the pews. They got to tell them what they want to hear. Not that you're a sinner. Don't come to church. Repent of that. Then come. Remember it says, if you're offering your sacrifice to the altar, then find someone has something against you. Leave it here and go reconcile. And then come back. What does he mean? You'll go make things right with people before you come and worship me. Oh, I don't have to do that. I'm saved. No, you're not. If you were saved, you'd have no problem reconciling with people. See, the heart of God has no problem with reconciliation. The flesh does. The flesh can't. The heart of God can forgive everything. I love this. Jesus asked, do you finally believe? 31. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered, each one his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. See, let me tell you something. You're never alone. As a Christian, you can feel all alone all the time, but you never are. You have to believe that. When you believe that, you're never alone. And guess what? When you think you are alone, that can help you overcome a lot of stuff. Saying, I'm not alone. Jesus is right here, right now, and I'm going to go do that. And I'm taking Jesus in it. See, when your conscience is heightened and Jesus is that real to you, when you are alone and can do the nasty, you won't do it because Jesus is right there saying, you're taking me into this? You're taking me into that nasty thing you're going to do right now? See, that's what stops us, our relationship with Christ. But when you don't believe it and have no fear of God, full speed ahead. 
Full speed ahead of my sin. Nobody's watching. <laughs> God's watching you. He's in you. You take him wherever you go. That's what keeps... Listen, I'm not perfect, but I know one thing. Wherever I go, Jesus goes with me. And it's very simple. Am I willing to take Jesus into the thing I'm about to do? If I am, then it has to be God's will. But if I have to leave Jesus home, guess what? Whose will is it? Very simple. That's how we overcome. By developing that relationship and that character of Jesus. Amen? All right, let's finish. This will be the last one. We're going to close. Yet I'm not alone. Look at verse 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Listen, do you have trials and sorrows? Jesus told you that you're going to. Why would you expect not to have them? He says here on earth, you're going to have many trials and many sorrows. But he doesn't say take mind. He says take heart. Take my heart. Because I have overcome the world. You see, when you have the heart of God, nothing out there concerns you. You don't worry. You don't fear. Your sin nature is at bay because you're following the will of God. And not your will. Amen to that, right? And let me tell you something. When you do God's will, that's where the joy comes. At the end of the day, like I said, when you overcome that, and you didn't run your mouth, you didn't run somebody down, you try to help somebody, you sit down at the end of the day, Jesus came alive today Amen. through me. Amen. It wasn't me. It was him. I can't do it. Then when it gets done, then you know it's Jesus. How about a big amen for that? Amen. Jesus, listen, Jesus, when you're born again, you don't have to do what you used to do. You are no longer slaves to sin. He says you're a slave to righteous living now. And boy, am I finding that out. My sin nature wants to do wrong. Can you honestly sit here and tell me that your sin nature still doesn't want to do wrong even though you come to church and read your Bible? Can you honestly say that? You'd be lying. But guess what? The Bible says you have to master your flesh. It doesn't go away. You have to master it. And say no to them things. And yes to Jesus Christ. And that's developing his character. <sighs> Teach him hard out here. That's because I'm passionate about it because... I don't want my sin to control me anymore. I want to be a living example of this. Why would I want to follow something that I can't, that I don't believe, that doesn't work? It's like, it's, it's a big lie. People come to church, oh, hallelujah, and they just go live their own way. It's like, what kind of transformation are you talking about here? I'm talking about saying no to sin and yes to Christ no matter what. And none of us are perfect, but we don't live there anymore. We might fall to it, but we don't live in it. Amen? We don't live a lifestyle of sin anymore. We live a lifestyle of what? Obedience. Amen? That's why he, That's what his grace is for. So we can have an live an obedient life. Grace is so much more powerful than sin. 
How about a big amen? All right? This is the truth. This is what's going to set us free. And this ministry is going to grow. Because there's, out, there's people out there that are hurting that are seeking truth. And God's going to lead them here. But guess what? We have to be an example of that. Working. Not just me. You. Like I said, it's just as important that you're here doing the right thing as me. Here doing the right thing. Because you're actually following the leader. Follow me as I follow Christ. And that's how we build the church. He's not, he doesn't care about the quantity. He cares about the quality of his people. The quality of people. And that takes, to build God's character in each individual takes time. That's why his kingdom takes so long to be built. Because he's transforming us one day at a time, through every adversity and every failure. And hallelujah, here we are. You wake up one day and say, wow, I can't wait to go to church. I'm saying, wow, before I couldn't stand it, now I can't wait to go. There's a transformation in itself. What's that? That's the Holy Spirit. And it's not religion, it's a religion. I want to be with my brothers and sisters. I need to get plugged back in. The world drained me today. It took everything I had. I need to come back and get plugged in again. So I can go back and do it again and stop. So I can not live for myself. Amen. All right, we're going to stop there. We'll pick up with chapter 17 when we get back again. I hope I got through to some of you tonight. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to close. Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we're going to close.
What a powerful name it is. Amen? For sure. Brother Wayne, you want to come up and close this tonight? Father, oh, I had the prayer. Lord, thank you for giving us each and every one of us a breath today so we can go out and live another day and live in your word. Bless all the women in this ministry, all the men in this ministry. Give us all health, happiness, and as we go on to this dying world, give us peace and joy. Sure. Let us all show 1 Corinthians 13 love to each other. Let's build each other up, not bring each other down. Yes, Lord. We have a body. Bless all the non-believers out there, Lord. And let them come, fill them with the Spirit so they can come into our flock. Yes, Lord. And we can grow. This church will grow. We have to have faith. Every day when we wake up, like Pastor John says, put that Bible there. And let's see, let everybody else see beacons of light in us. Let us see Jesus in each and every one of us. Yes, Lord. And may everybody have safe travels and may God bless all of us. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, brother. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night until we meet again. God bless. Peace.